coming up. Questions for that game five Yankees versus the Cleveland Guardians predictions for Phillies versus Padres and discussing the rest versus rust debate with Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB on today's Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Millie Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks about Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. We're on all your podcasting platforms. We're on YouTube as well, Locked on Diamondbacks on there as well, so go hit that subscribe button for me, please. And of course, Thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Excuse me. Thank you. I almost lost my voice there. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We're going to be talking to Sully Baseball during our part two, discussing that rest versus rust debate which is really going to be an interesting topic because the Yankees game got rained out. So that's going to be more rest for the Astros and whoever is coming out of this Yankees versus Guardians game. They might be rusty because of all the rain. That's a rust rain joke for y'all. So let's actually talk a little bit about this Yankees versus Guardians game before we get to that part two with Sully Baseball because there's some big lingering questions that are going to come out of this game, whether who wins or who loses this matchup. Like, Let's say the Cleveland Guardians lose this game to the New York Yankees. The big question I have for the Guardians after that is, is this Terry Francona's final game ever? Because a lot of indications seem to be pointing toward Terry Francona is going to be done after this season in Cleveland because he's someone that has dealt with a lot of health issues the last few years he's a man now in his 60 years you know in his 60s and Terry Francona is still one of the best managers in the league like going into that game five if you want to pick Cleveland to beat the New York Yankees I think your argument starts with Terry Francona because if it comes down to because I was talking about this with Sully Baseball on yesterday's podcast you could kind of look at both teams and be like yeah on paper for a game five both of these teams are pretty even their lineups are similar they're both going to be throwing out like their number four starter for this game five tomorrow like it might be a bullpen game for both of these teams so like with all the players being basically a wash where's the advantage where's the advantage for either team I think it comes from that managerial position because if you're telling me which manager do I trust to make the right execution on X's and O's and the feel for the game and not just analytics? I'm going with Terry Francona every time. So if you think Cleveland's winning game five against the Yankees, I think it starts with Tito and it could be his final game. But also, if the Cleveland Guardians win, I want to know, does it feel like it will then be a cakewalk for the Houston Astros to make it to the World Series? Now, 
For some reason, I don't feel that way. If the Yankees win, I feel like that's like a seven-game series. But if Cleveland wins, I feel like the, the Astros are going to the World Series in like six games or less, right? It feels like Cleveland is a very nice story. But if they were to match up with the Houston Astros in the championship series, that feels like a cakewalk for the Astros to go back to another World Series. Maybe I'm super downplaying the Cleveland Guardians being disrespectful, but I feel like they haven't looked like the best team this postseason compared to the teams you've seen in the National League and teams like the Houston Astros. So I wonder if the if the Guardians win this game, do we automatically consider it a cakewalk for the Astros? But what if the Yankees lose? The first question I have is, what do you do with the Boons? Aaron Boone and Aaron Judge, because do you fire Aaron Boone after another year of failing in the postseason and just coming up short after having this fantastic regular season? He's still not someone I, I really trust with the X's and O's. Um, Aaron Boone's not a bad manager, but I don't know if he's that manager to take you to the next level. I don't know if he's like that Yankees manager, because when you have that Yankees cloth, you want your manager to be like a borderline legend, or a guy that could get into the Hall of Fame one day for his managerial experience, and Aaron Boone just does not feel like like that kind of dude I don't get that inspired leadership from him and then for Aaron Judge like we know the season he just had he's going to win the regular season MVP I'm sorry Shohei Otani had a great season as well but this MVP will be going to Judge he just hit 62 home runs the quote-unquote AL home run record it is the AL home run record but the fact that you have to qualify it by saying AL home run record like who's even keeping track of that let's just call it the Yankees franchise record but for Aaron Judge Will he be leaving after this postseason series if this Yankees team comes up short again? I don't know. Is he going to walk in free agency and just take the, the biggest bag he can find? Or is he like, you know what? Maybe I'll take a little bit of a hometown discount to stay with the New York Yankees. I don't know. So that's going to be a two. Those are going to be two big questions. What do you do with the Aaron's? For Brian Cashman, what do you do with him? He's been there like over a decade, probably close to 15 years now, and only one World Series title to show for anything. He's been a guy that has made some really good trades, some savvy trades in the past, but as good as his roster has been, as many you know, 90-plus, 95-plus win seasons the Yankees have had um, since 2009, the fact is they haven't they haven't been to a World Series since 2009, and they haven't really part, been particularly close. Like They've been to a championship series, yes, but... They weren't the best. They were clearly not the best team in those championship series. So what do you do with Brian Cashman? Do you do you trust him to continue being the architect of this team? I think that's a huge question. And then the final question would be, the Yankees lose this series. Are the Yankees the AL version of the Dodgers? Two great behemoths in the regular season. Two big market teams. But once you get to the playoffs, when all the expectations are on the line, they're not as good as we think, especially from a World Series equity standpoint. They are just not made of that special cloth like I just talked about, that playoff cloth, that clutch cloth. I don't know whatever you want to call it, but they don't have the intangibles on either of these teams. And it's just very interesting to see. So I wonder if the Yankees are going to be the Dodgers of the American League if they lose that game five to Cleveland. And then let's shift gears. And also for my prediction, I'm taking, I'm going to take the Yankees to win that game. I'm not going to go with the upset as much as I want Cleveland to win and I'm rooting for them to win. I think it's going to be the Yankees in game five. And then shifting to that Padres versus Philly series, there's a couple things I'm really watching out for in that series that just kind of keep me interested. Um, of course, I'm going to be interested in the series, but some things that are not just, you know, the big headline championship series between two underdog teams or some other minute details I'm watching um, that I'm going to be watching for. One, 
This is a battle of the 2019 mega free agent class between Manny Machado and Bryce Harper because they both signed those 300 plus million dollar mega deals in 2019. Bryce Harper with the Phillies, of course, Manny Machado with the Padres, and they both have endured their up and downs. The Phillies didn't make the postseason until this year with Bryce Harper. The Padres had that second half collapse last year, so they both know what it feels like to be down on their respective teams. They both know what it feels like to be called overrated and overpaid, but now both of them are absolutely producing in the postseason up until this point. So I want to see who's going to continue to produce between these two players. Manny Machado is a future Hall of Famer, one of the best players of all time, and a ring will cement that status even more. He could be the next 3,000 hitter we have, so if he could get if he can get a ring while he's still in the prime of his career, being the main difference maker for his team, that would be huge for his legacy. Speaking of legacies, Bryce Harper was basically the LeBron James chosen one Sports Illustrated as a kid, two-time MVP. If he can win a ring because he's someone who left a team, the Washington Nationals, and as soon as he left, they won a World Series championship. That can't feel good if you were once called the LeBron James of baseball. So for Bryce Harper, it would be huge for his legacy, which I know we don't like to talk about in baseball legacy, but I personally care about those barbershop debates so for Bryce Harper if he wins a championship ring that'll be huge for his legacy also I want to know which of the secondary stars are going to step up between Juan Soto and Kyle Schwarber because Schwarber had one hit in that divisional series I think Soto I think Juan Soto had three hits they were both just stupidly non-existent in those series so which of those two stars are going to step up because we know Juan Soto was a beast in that 2019 World Series as like a rookie. Kyle Schwarber just led the league in home runs and he's been a big power bat in the postseason before. So one of those two guys is going to make a, a, an impact in this series to say the least. And the last thing is, if this series goes seven and they do their normal one, two, three starting rotation, Game seven will be the game three starter then. And the game three starter in that game seven will also be on four days of short rest. So you have to question, if we get to a game seven, do you trust Ranger Suarez on short rest? Or do you trust Joe Musgrove on short rest? And so for that reason, I'm going Joe Musgrove. And for that reason as well, let me double down. I'm picking the San Diego Padres to beat the Philadelphia Phillies in seven games with Joe Musgrove on the mound. Now, I think the... Padres winning that series is a pretty safe bet, but if you want your home to feel safe, you need to get simply safe because the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen simply safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. As simply safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 professional monitoring, 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's why I love it it's because with 24 7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Our monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. 
Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Let's you and I address the elephant in the room. And no, it is not Stomper, the mascot of the A's. Okay. We have three 100-win teams in the National League, and none of them got to the National League Championship Series. We have two teams that finished the year sub-90 wins, and one of them kind of stumbled and bumbled their way into the postseason. And one of them is going to the World Series. There has been more than a little bit of grumbling about the fact that the current version of the the Major League Baseball postseason is taking away any accomplishments in the regular season and basically putting yourself in a situation where you almost want to get into the wild card round and play those extra games so you stay fresh and don't look uh, tired and haggard. This is not me. This I'm, I'm hearing this, you know, that this is all of a sudden, well, what's the point of the regular season if you win 111 games and get derailed in four days and, and go home and play golf? Well, clearly inferior teams over 162 games are going to be playing for a chance to win it all. Um, I want to know your thoughts on whether or not the – layoff is causing some of these great upsets or if this is just sour grapes well i do love for anyone that's pro shortening the season i do love all these hundred win teams losing because i've heard tim kirchin say so many times you need 162 games it perfectly defines the season and the you know takes out all the extra variables and then you get to the postseason it's like all these hundred plus win teams are not here no more. Why did we play 162 games? Could I not got these results with 150, 140, 120 games? So that's another rant for another day. But on the rust versus rest debate, I don't know. I kind of like being the wild card team going up against that number one seed because, like, when I go back to that Phillies versus Brave series, you steal that game one, you take out the number one starter for the other team. And now, guess what? Game two and game three, I got my number one and my number two starter going in that game two and game three. And now I could be up one nothing with my two best starters yet to pitch. I just kind of like that as an idea. Yes, the extra rest is always necessary. And most times helpful, but you know, there could be a little rust baked in between because you look at that Yankee series, like they just kind of cut kind of screwed over by rain. Like, of course it's not over yet, but like the Yankees, they waited two weeks, they play one game. And then, you know, the MLB schedule did that weird thing where the American league, the next day had the off day. And then the next yeah. time the Yankees were supposed to play, then they were rained out. So they had to miss like, two. so they basically played like one game, like two weeks was like really weird for them. So you could have maybe played a little rust into their debate. But I think overall, I kind of want to be the wild card series trying to steal that game one, because if I'm able to do that, then I could be like Cleveland where I get my Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie in game two and game three. I kind of just like that setup for the wild card team. I mean, my biggest, and I mentioned this the other day, my biggest argument against that, I kept hearing a lot of people talking about that. The home team won three out of the first four. 
So when we're talking about rest versus rust, well, um, Houston, New York, and Los Angeles all won game one. So there you go. I mean, yes, Houston was one swing away from losing game one. Uh, They're also, you know, if they one swing away from losing game one and then one run scored by the Mariners in the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, or 17th away from losing game two, but they won those games. And you know what? If New York wins tomorrow, and they could very well win tomorrow, then guess what? Then half of the teams with home field advantage would have won. I mean, it's it, and and I'm sorry. There comes a point. I mean, look at I mean, Atlanta did look flat in that first game, but that was more due to the fact that Max Fried wet the bed. Julio Urias pitched fine, and they the Dodgers beat the Padres handily. Uh, you know, Garrett Cole had that one inning where the Cleveland looked like they they had him on the ropes, but he wiggled out of it and wound up pitching into the seventh. And New York won that game, and the Astros rallied. So. You know, the panic over rust versus rest to me is a little bit overrated. If all four home teams lost, hell, if three out of four home teams lost, I would have my ears would be up a little more. But three out of four won. Now, I I just I think that has more to do with the fact that there you know there is a bit of a coin toss that happens in the postseason. But the better teams won three of the first four games. So how much of an effect could it possibly have been? But do you think it's weird that it was only game one they were effective in? Because the Dodgers, their offense was great in that game one. Then the next three games wasn't quite there. The Braves, their offense was the best it was in that game one. Then the next three games wasn't there. The Astros, their biggest offensive outburst was in that game one. Then the next couple games wasn't quite there. Do you think there's any correlation to that, that they were able to rest? They were able to take that time off. They were all able to put it into that game one, but they weren't able to sustain that momentum because they weren't in that everyday grind and the mind set like those wild card teams that had to battle in those earlier rounds sully i don't know i think these are all narratives that are written in retrospect yeah, I think you've seen, you've seen tons of times in the history of baseball where there has been a team that that is winning big down the stretch, and then they carry that winning into the um, into the postseason. Say, like, oh man, that momentum carried them. And then there are instances where the teams have had rest, and then they go on and win. And then you say, oh, they were resting. They the other team was exhausted. I remember a team where the sink. By the way. We have had teams in the World Series who were uh, far worse than the teams that they played in the postseason. Back-to-back years, you had the 1987 Twins and the 1988 Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers beat the 100-some-odd win Mets and the 100-some-odd win A's, and they did so with an absolute cut-and-paste, the worst lineup I've ever seen in the history of the World Series because they rode Oral Hershiser's, you know, arm all the way into the all the way through the postseason. You know, in 87, the Twins, the, who had a negative run differential and really only two starting pitchers, but for reasons I still don't understand, had home field advantage in both the ALCS and World Series and didn't lose a single game at home and wound up winning the World Series. They lost all the road games in the World Series. 
and they you know they were they they were I think they were six and zero at home, and two and four on the road, and they were crowned World Series champs, and they were a fun team. They were like a softball team, but you know they they played a Detroit team that had to battle right down to the very end. They clinched on the final day. Now, wouldn't that be a situation? Uh, the, the narrative happened there was oh Detroit was was tired. They were they were beat. They were they were. You know, they just they it was such a, a brutal fight to get to the ALCS that they want to lose into Minnesota. Same thing with Atlanta and San Francisco were fighting all the way through the end in 1993 and they wound up losing to Philadelphia. And retroactively, we said, ah, Philadelphia was exhausted from the pennant race with San Francisco. Oh, but when the upset happens, it's like, oh, you see, you need to be playing right up until the end. So, I mean, these are all these are all retroactive narratives. Uh, yeah. And and I think that that's I, it's a little I'm I'm always been for cutting back the season because I think just ba- people casual baseball fans stop watching around Labor Day oh. and I wanted I would rather see a hundred and thirty game season maybe with fewer injuries and those home run records are secure and um, if someone gets sixty two home runs in one hundred thirty games you tip your hat to them. Um, and then you play the bulk of the postseason in September when the weather is eerily similar to baseball weather. And then you have the final week, the final, uh, the World Series is played in the first week of October. So you still got to play in October. It still means something. But when it was 162 games, but only a very few number of teams got into the postseason, the randomness of the postseason seemed more justified because only the best four, you know, two, four, or, you know, six teams got into the playoffs. But now if they're going to have so many teams in and the randomness of it kicks in, then may it may seem less unfair if we have the sample size be shorter. People's interest drops around Labor Day anyway. So then at that moment you say, hey, that's the end of the season, except for the postseason. And then people will continue watching their teams in the postseason. Those who don't want to watch football anyway. Yeah. Because like watching the D-backs last year with 50 wins by the time we got to the All-Star break, those last three months were meaningless. But something that's on the same vein spiritually that I want to talk about as well because it related to that Yankees versus Cleveland series when we're talking about the games being rained out. Why doesn't every stadium get a retractable roof like Chase Field where you could close the roof on days where it's raining or snowing and you don't have to worry about that? Because they're saying one of these games uh, with the Cleveland Yankees, we might have midges come back. I think it was supposed to be this game four. I don't think we saw any midges in Cleveland. No, but they weren't allowed in. Yeah, but who wants to deal with that? Who wants to deal with these extra elements and, and the rain and the coldness? Like, let's get a retractable roof. We can still get the panels like how we have at Chase Field, still get some natural sunlight. It's going to be a controlled environment, 72, 72 degrees. Degrees. There's going to be no, you know, slippery bats, slippery balls. Like I want to perfectly execute a game. I don't want there to be any other variables or reasons why my team might not perform or anything like that. I don't want the weather to affect my sport. I want to be played on a neutral field. So please, let's bring retractable roofs to every stadium in Major League Baseball. I would. I have no problem with that. Uh, right. I, there's there are two conflicting things. I want to end on this. There is the argument that the interest in the regular season would dip. If it's clear that, hey, you can win 111 games, it doesn't matter. But conversely, the fight to get that final wild card spot has now become even more coveted. Because you can point to the fact that instead of being like, like if you're fighting for the final 
uh, spot in the NBA playoffs. Congratulations, you're going to get swept. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, let's face it. That's I mean, with very few exceptions, the NBA is the hardest sport to see upsets in the first couple of rounds. They may be upsets in the conference finals or in the finals, but those first few rounds, it's they're unwatchable because it's just it's just a massacre. Mm-hmm. Ayo, that it doesn't come the NBA players don't get watchable until the second round. That's really when things okay, now it gets interesting because we've gotten rid of all those other teams. But in baseball, if you say, hey, you try to get that third wild card spot, you could wind up in the NLCS. You know, there there's instead of yeah, great, we made that, we got swept out of it. Who cares? Oh, wait a minute, look what Philadelphia did. And so, you know, to me. You know, yeah, it may stink if you're a Los Angeles fan or a Mets fan or uh, an Atlanta fan who saw your team have an amazing hundred some odd win regular season only to get smacked in the face. But if you're a Philadelphia fan and you're floundering around and Girardi gets fired and everything, you can still say, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If we get hot, we can get that other spot and roll the dice. And I'm all for that if that makes teams start spending money and being competitive. Yeah, because that's the weird thing about the MLB playoffs. It's a series like how it is in the NBA, but it's more unpredictable like how it is in football, where even though we're doing a five-game series, a seven-game series, it's anybody could win the series like how it is in football, where it's only one game and it's a coin flip. Even though we have the Dodgers and the Braves winning 100-plus games, those series are still coin flips because the Padres are still loaded with talent. The Phillies are still loaded with talent. And really, anything can happen in the MLB postseason. Your team just has to get hot. And we've seen that with the Phillies this year. We talked about the Red Sox. I, at least I talked about the Red Sox earlier on this podcast. About Sometimes if your offense just gets hot, you could just mash your way to a series win. You don't really have to do much. Your pitching doesn't have to do much. If you're just going to put up seven runs a game for four straight games, you're probably going to win that series. So that's what we've seen from teams like this, uh, from this Phillies team, this Padres team. I think they're just doing it with guts and confidence right now. And they basically just took a on a different mentality, which was crazy in this playoff postseason against the Dodgers team. Because you would have felt like if you didn't know how these two teams faced against each other in the regular season, you would have thought the, the big brother was the Padres in the series with the way they took it back. So I love that these two teams are in the championship series because I think it's going to be a real fun time, Sully. And it's always a fun time when Miller Thomas stops by mm-hmm. locked on MLB. Tell people where they can follow your show. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account. Follow Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. We're on YouTube, of course, Locked on Dimebacks on there. And, of course, we're on all your podcasting platforms. And you can find us at Locked on MLB Pods. Both Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. And you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Sully Baseball there. And on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. Well, we got one more game in the division series. Then we're going to figure out which one of the American League teams is going to fight for the right to take on a sub-90 win team in the World Series for the second straight year from the National League. This has been Locked On, MLB Locked On Dynamax crossover. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. That's Miller Thomas. Let's fist pump and call it a show. Hey, get in there. Get in there. Get in there. Get in there. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Last week, we power ranked our top 10 D-backs from the 2022 season. Tomorrow, we'll start new power ranking. Power ranking the top 10 most disappointing D-backs from 2022 season. So come back tomorrow for that. Of course, more Dimebacks news coverage and insight tomorrow. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, Lockdown MLB, with our pal Sully Baseball, who you just heard on today's podcast. And as always, stay safe.
Oh, I had baseball reference open. They want to play a video at the last minute. Of course they did. So as I was saying, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. Come back tomorrow and stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.